Good morning, afternoon, evening, late night, whatever date, time, month it is. That's what's nice about podcasts. You can just check it out anytime you want. It's MI Focus, Episode 3. I'm Brandon James. Happy to be with you once again uh, for a new podcast episode. This one's called Mayhem Mapping Michigan. After we get into this story, Jim McKinney will join me to uh, co-host, and we're going to talk about some other related Michigan map items. Uh, I found a really old one when I was living in the Thumb area at our old family's farmhouse, and there's kind of a neat story attached to that. Uh, We'll also talk about uh, how hard it would be to go back to using a map after getting used to using GPS when you take road trips around Michigan and around the country. And I'll also talk about a relic that a man found uh, when he was shopping on eBay. He found a very old Michigan map. So road trips and maps and traveling is kind of the subject of the day. Last year, my wife and I took a trip up to the Upper Peninsula, and she got to go over the Mackinac Bridge for the very first time, which was a lot of fun for her and a little bit nerve-wracking. Got some pasties and had a good time uh, for a few days. We stayed at a very nice Airbnb in Sheboygan and made the drive over there. And one of the places we visited was Fort Michilimackinac, which uh, is in the style of an old British fort there, and it's a fun place to visit. But at the shop nearby, they had books for sale, and I love to buy Michigan history books. I've got ones that are like ghost stories on the Great Lakes and a little-known things you didn't know. The books I found at that gift shop, well, there was two of them. One was called Forgotten Tales of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, and one was Forgotten Tales of Michigan's Upper Peninsula, and it had several short stories in it. The author was Alan Naldrit, and there's some illustrations there by Kate Brennan. While I was going through, uh, something I'd always been curious about got answered, and it's why all those old maps of Michigan look so weird. Now, I had an assumption about that, Pretty much my whole life, it was just, well, they probably didn't have good surveying equipment. And so it wasn't until we had satellite images that they could uh, get the accurate look for Michigan, the mitten that we've all come to know. Because those old maps are kind of pointy and Saginaw Bay doesn't look quite right. And Lake Michigan's really long and kind of rectangle shaped. So the real story goes back to Michigan's bad reputation before people decided to settle here. A caption from the book that I'll just kind of read here uh, will start to explain this surveying thing. Imagine being a tourist in 1839 and buying something called the Tourist's Pocket Map of Michigan and then having a map that has only a vague resemblance to our land. Of course, uh, prior to the 21st century maps with global positioning systems and two years after fighting the Toledo War and becoming a state, it was the best map Michigan had to offer, and it was a big improvement over other maps that came before it. Surveying and mapping was not easy in the early days, and the only about the only problem they didn't have to deal with were construction zones and male-functioning GPS. Of course, there was hostile Native Americans and disease-carrying insects, some of the hazards encountered by surveyors. So due to early reports by soldiers and surveyors, the Michigan peninsulas were avoided because the line runners, as surveyors were called then, predicted it would be hundreds of years before anyone would want to settle in the area, calling it a mosquito-infested swampland. Well, of course, we know that uh, this summer of 21 has been very mosquito-infested. But many years later, some surveyors admitted that the story scared them, and so often they didn't actually run the lines Instead, seated in a tavern, safe from the hazards they had been warned about. So consequently, 
For reasons valid and due to incompetence, many of the early Michigan maps look in retrospect to be those of a parallel universe. So that's basically uh, why those old maps don't look good. They kind of said, we don't want to do it. (laughs) We're just going to go sit at the tavern and we'll just kind of guess what Michigan looked like. So considering that, some of those uh, early maps aren't so bad. Anyway, there's a lot more to this story, and this is a book I would really recommend if you're ever interested in uh, reading some short stories about Michigan history. I'm sure I'm going to go back to this book to reference uh, some things in future podcasts. Again, the books are called Forgotten Tales of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, written by Alan Naldrit, and there's one also called Forgotten Tales of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. All right, now it's the time during the podcast where we bring somebody in to make it more fun. Two is better than one, right? Jim McKinney. Yeah, you can share the blame. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice to have Jim McKinney joining the MI Focus broadcast this week. Uh, we gave Jordan a break. Uh, he'll be back down the road at some point. Uh, but you had a few interesting stories uh, related to maps, because that's kind of what we're talking about, maps and travel and just the interesting way <laughs> We used to do things before we had the comforts of GPS where the little voice and the your phone would say, here's what you need to do, don't even worry about it. We yeah. won't get you lost, usually. <laughs> I, I don't trust the lady in the GPS. She <laughs> disappointed me so many times when we went to Florida. So We've had a few that have not gone so well. Uh, when we lived in West Virginia, for some reason there... Our smartphones were not so smart when it came to the- <laughs> We were supposed to go to a movie theater, and we were running a little bit behind, and it was to see one of the new Hunger Games movies when it came out, you know, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And when we reached the destination, we pulled into somebody's driveway, and it was a very expensive-looking home, and I'm sure they didn't want us there. Apparently, the GPS thought that was the movie theater. Oh, I don't- well. <laughs> maybe they had one up in their second floor or something. Yeah. I never know. <laughs> yeah, it was their private movie Private movie theater, mansion, yeah. yeah. All right, so you, you found an interesting old map uh, Michigan story. Yeah, my mom sent me, I was in the Army when this map came out, okay. and so she sent me this map uh, saying, you need to, to look at this because there's some shenanigans going on. <laughs> well, let me, let me backtrack the story. It's, it's 1978, 1979 in that era, and it was a guy who was the chairman of the Michigan Highway Commission named Peter Fletcher, who okay. was a U of M grad. And he said he used to take flack from people because the color of the Mackinac Bridge, of course, is Michigan State's colors, green and, and white. And I always heard the urban legend, the reason it was that color was because the governor at that time, uh, G. Menon Williams, uh, note his middle name, he was an heir to the Menon, and that's that was their colors, green and white. Oh, not, nothing not to MSU. do with Michigan State. Okay. Actually, what it had to do with was it was federal highway guidelines. They had to make it that color. Okay. So anyway, so he decides he's going to have a little fun. So he orders a cartographer to create two fictional cities. One is Go Blue, G O B L U, and the other one is Beat O S U, B E A T O S U, and this cartographer who was doing the map placed them in Ohio. <laughs> Right by real cities. One was near Archibald, Ohio, and the other one was near Bono or something like that. So anyway, so you look at this map, and you will find, and I still have a copy of the map, 
Uh, it's a collector's item now. Where it says Beat OSU and Go Blue are two cities. In, snuck it in there. Snuck it in there. Now I'd heard stories that they had fired him, but <laughs> I, they, I, he retired, and they, they, uh, it, like I said, it's become a collector's item. At some point, they caught the mistake. Yeah, yeah they caught the mistake, <laughs> and they sent out a new one. But those of us who have the old one, you know, we have. Uh, you know, something to hold on to. Has and anyone, I always thought it was cool, too. Has anyone ever checked to see if they tried to get back at us for that and snuck some Ohio stuff into one of our Michigan maps? Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I uh, have to go look. And I may have to go investigate that, yeah, to see, uh, you know, if there's a Buckeye, Michigan in a map someplace or, yeah. or whatever. But uh, he, yeah, it was, uh, he's, he was pretty well known and it became a pretty good story. So That is a good story. I like that one. Uh, a few months ago, I wrote an article about a Michigan man who was, able to obtain a relic of some state history uh, showcasing some of the travel routes in the 1930s. And he got a good deal for it. It was on eBay. Uh, his name's Rob Aberman, and he lives in Nuego County. He was browsing eBay about five years ago and saw an old roadmap of Michigan that was for sale. Uh, an elderly land developer who happened to be from Alabama passed away, and this 1932 map was part of his estate. He purchased it for only five bucks. And he called it the best impulse purchase he ever made. Um, and again, one of the things that made it cool was you were able to see what travel was like before the development of the interstate highways. And of course, uh, this map was about 25 years before the Mackinac Bridge was even constructed. And he said it was the oldest map of Michigan he's ever come across. He had posted it into some Facebook groups and um, got a lot of comments and likes and shares and people talking about other old maps uh, that, that they had found. Uh, what's the oldest map that you have or that you ever had? Do you have any, like, uh, artifacts like that? or? I think my mom and dad still have, and we were, we were talking about this off, off, uh, off the air a little bit. Um, AAA used to provide this service called a trip tick, mm-hmm. which essentially you tell them where you're starting, where you're going, and they would draw a map like on a flip chart. You go page to page to page with a marker going where you were supposed to go. <laughs> And you would so archaic. You would, yeah, well, no, you would you would it was you know GPS with a marker, I guess. So you yeah. you would uh, you would order this, and then you would get it before your trip. And I, my parents still have a couple of those trip ticks, and they're they're really kind of interesting to see because it is like a flip chart. The thing was like maybe a half an inch thick. Okay. And you because you know, the one we had, we went from Michigan to California. Talk about distracted driving. Well, yeah. Well, that's you have a navigator uh, with you. You're looking like, down. Where are we yeah. supposed to be going now? You know that kind of thing. Um, that's probably, and that would have been 1970, 71, 72 ish. Whoever was in your passenger seat was the GPS. Yeah, my mom was the my mom was the navigator. So. When we lived up in the Thumb region, we lived in an old family farmhouse, and we found all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, lots of old farming equipment and just other various things, old beer cans. and uh, Very close to the time we were moving out, I went down to the basement. This is an old Michigan basement, you know, 19-teens, 1920s. And I found this map folded up. I don't know how I didn't come across it before because I searched around that house often you know, when I felt like it, just see what I could find. And it was a golf map from the 1930s. I believe it was a gas station then that would put those out. Mm-hmm. And it the the most fun thing about it was trying to determine exactly when this map uh, was released. And so I kind of looked at some of the things on there, like populations of the cities, and matched it. Like Detroit's population when this map came out was 
1,568,000 residents. And so that was a clue. There was five-digit telephone numbers that also had um, the name. You know, you'd call the operator and you'd see the, the name of the city and the, the digits, and then they would connect. So that was kind of a clue. But what actually uh, got me to determine it was I saw on the map a pencil marking from the thumb all the way down to Flint. And I'm like, my great-grandfather went to college in Flint. And so all I had to do was figure out when he would have turned 18 years old. Okay. So it was from the mid to late 30s. I want to say 1937. I'd have to go back and look at it right now. Uh, But that's a cool map. I'm actually thinking about posting some of those pictures in an article at some point on the websites. Because uh, that was a pretty cool find, and the family was nice enough to say, all right, Brandon, you can have it. We know you're into this kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he had just taken a pencil and drew his route, and then what they would do, kind of kind of like the Michigan maps that used to come out every year mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s. I don't. I, I, do you know when they stopped making those? Uh, no, I really... Or, I, I or did they stop making them? I, I think they they may still make them, you know, periodically, because you can you go can do it like the rest to the area. welcome centers and yeah. the rest areas and, and things like that. You were mentioning it was from uh, that, that it was from the gas station, Golf. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to be where you got your maps. You sure. would go into a Golf or a Texaco or, you know, uh, Enco or wherever, and they would have maps... For like the area that you were going to. No, I know a um, lot of the places, you know, like the truck stops and, mm-hmm. you know, I think Arlene's is one of the closer ones or maybe Love's. Which are, they're building a Love's up on off no, of 131. Is that one all it's done, done now? done, yeah, yeah. I haven't been up that way in a while. I know you can still get atlases yes. uh, in some of those places. I guess there's people that still like to to use those or, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe they use it with the GPS. I don't know. I don't know what the reasons are. Um, I would think they're just more for fun now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember my insurance company used to give me an atlas every year. Mm-hmm. You know, big, huge thing. The only problem with it was that the states were in alphabetical order. Well, <laughs> you know, if you're going from, say, Michigan to Indiana, you got to go to Michigan, back. and then you got to go back. <laughs> and I always also remember, uh, Brandon, was the state would be on one side, and then if you flip the page, the big cities in the yes. state would be on the other side. I do remember that. And, um, you know, and it was, you again, you have to have a navigator because you can't be reading this thing while you're driving because, the you know, the lines were so small. When the map's um, so big, it probably yeah. covers the well, steering you could, wheel. You, you know, know. <laughs> unfold it and not be able to see anything. I remember we had to do map folding in school. Mm-hmm. That was one of those small things we had. I don't remember what class they threw that into. But uh, you'd have to unfold the whole Michigan map and lay it out, and then you'd have to fold it back up the right way to get it to that little rectangle so it fit in the glove box. Um but yeah, I remember on trips I would just, you know, kind of get the right square. And then, you know, once I got, you know, off the map in my vehicle, I'd have to, you know, unfold it and create a new square just to make it small enough so it, you know, you it's see where not you were taking going. up. Yeah, I didn't want to have it all. So when we took our wedding trip in 2006 to Vegas, we got one of those big atlases that had every single state and we we drove. Uh, the rest of the family flew. I had never been farther west than Chicago pretty much. So I wanted to see the country for the first time, but this was before smartphones, just in 2006. I guess it's a lot farther back than it seems. <laughs> but <laughs> um, So, you know, we went to Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa. So those three weren't too hard to flip back and forth from. And Lacey, of course, was the navigator for that trip, and I drove. Um, and then we went to Nebraska, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. And then we took a southern route on the way back. Um but yeah, you know, a lot of the conversation in the car was, all right, where are we at now? And 
It, the thing that was kind of fun about the map days compared to the GPS is that estimated arrival just always is staring at you. Mm-hmm. You, know, you still got six hours to go. You still got five hours and 59 minutes to go. <laughs> it was kind of nice then because you didn't have that clock going. You know, It kind of made the trip go by a little bit faster, I think. I think the GPS slows down some of the road trips because you just see it counting down so slow how many miles to go, how many hours to go. <laughs> yeah, well, the other thing that Atlas doesn't tell you is road construction, you know, <laughs> yep. whereas the GPS might warn you ahead of time or you see, but you, you can come up on road construction like that. And yeah. You're thinking, this wasn't on the Atlas. It is amazing what they can do now, but I think, you know, one thing it's done, and I actually want to try an experiment with this sometime, is... And I think even for me, you know, most of my adult life driving, and it's especially probably, you know, for a lot of people, we've gotten so used to the GPS. How hard would it be to go back and not use your cell phone or any other tool that your car might have built into it and get out a roadmap and try to get somewhere? Yeah. Like, do you think you could do it still? I, you know, <laughs> I would hope I could. I mean, seriously, you know. I guess um, if I don't come back, you'll know how it we're, how it yeah, went. Yeah, we'll have to send out a search party for you or something. Yeah, I you know that's that is uh, yeah that would be kind of fun. But you want to go someplace you've never been before, right? Because you know traditional. So you can really get lost. You can really get lost. Yeah. <laughs> then you find one of those guys, um, you know, either in the diner or in the gas station or whatever, and is giving you directions as if you've lived there. Your entire life, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, the old down, tree. Everyone knows the old tree down. Go down there. to the old Shelby property. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, you don't know where that. Okay, well, let's go back, and then they've got to try to, you know, figure out how to how to get where you got to get to. Well, I remember making that type of a stop, you know, because that's the thing is with the map. Sometimes you just misread something, mm. and you would get off course, hopefully for not too long, or you miss that exit. And so the next step was, well, I guess we'll have to go stop at the next gas station and go in and talk to the guy. And that's where that whole thing about, you know, a man will never stop and ask for directions. That's not even really a thing you hear anymore. <laughs> no, because I do. And and I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to go 50 miles out of my way because I'm not, you know, I don't want to go talk to somebody, <laughs> you know. And the only problem is nowadays you get people, you know, obviously who are working Sometimes they have no clue what you're looking for, and they live in the town. That's true. You it, know, it's harder and, to get directions because I think it all goes back to the way we do things now. And for one, they probably don't get asked as much as they used to because people are using GPS, but they use it themselves, so they might not even know their own city that well. There's times I've used the GPS to get to some place, you know, in Kalamazoo that I haven't gone to before. It's it's close to roads that I'm familiar with and I'm on a lot, but maybe it's off some side road. And I'll even use the GPS then. So if somebody came to me six months later and was asking to go to the same place, I might say, oh, gee, where was it? It was I was going down Westnage. And then mm-hmm. oh, what did I do? I can't remember. You know, the map was telling me. And, you know, I've had those types of conversations. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's yeah. really weird. I, I, I enjoy the times when you go in and, and, I, and this has happened to me. And I, I go into a convenience store or something and say, OK, um, um, I need to get here from where, and the, the clerk will go, oh, hon, are you lost? <laughs> Happened a lot down south <laughs> with the accent. Oh, hon, are you lost? And you I'm get like, some bless your hearts? Yes. Yeah, you get a bless your heart type <laughs> attitude, you know, which is fine, you know. But Have some it, chicken and waffles. You'll be okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and then they, they try to explain it to you, and I'm like, I got to write this down because I'll never figure it out. Um, 
the the one, and I I only want to mention this because I've been there before and it's a nightmare. Uh, if you ever go to Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. they have at least 15 streets that have the name Peachtree in them. Okay, <laughs> Avenue. They're proud of their peaches. Avenue, there. Boulevard, Street, Road. <laughs> Terrace, Lane, whatever. Kind of like we have a Michigan Avenue in every yeah, single... Exactly. They're all over the place. And so if you ask to go to Peachtree, say, Avenue, and... <laughs> they're going to ask you which one. Which one? And then here's a list of 30. You know, you, so you... that and that, that that's the only place I know that really kind of does that. But <laughs> oof. It's like, do you guys run out of names or something? Well, I'm going to see about doing this experiment sometime. Yeah, we may have to go uh, out. Get one of those maps. I miss those Michigan maps. I loved, I still have one in the glove box of one of my vehicles. I haven't used it in forever, but it's just kind of, I don't, maybe it's kind of a security blanket just from my, you know, early days driving and some of my first road trips I ever took. Uh, once I was old enough to drive by myself and my parents would let me, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to try to find out when they stopped making those or if they stopped making those, uh, Michigan maps. It was another thing that was fun is I'm pretty sure they didn't used to put the year on those or sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. And I always like to try to figure out how old the map was. And a lot of times the way you could do that was by looking at some of the freeways. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one was before they built the Beltline just south of Grand Rapids. It'd be like, okay, so it was before that happened. Um, but it's really interesting, again, going back to the really old maps, when you see uh, just a gap between the lower peninsula and the upper peninsula. Yes. And my grandfather told me uh, when they used to go to the upper peninsula to hunt um, back when he was young, uh, the lines to get on the ferry would sometimes come back down halfway down I-75. Like, I don't They'd have to wait for hours. miles and miles and miles and hours and hours to, to get up there. And and I'm sure to get back um, on, you know, Labor Day, Memorial Day weekends and things like that. And you think the traffic backups are bad now on those weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being, I think one, I, I read an article where one person said the biggest backup they ever saw was just probably 10 miles north of Gaylord. Which oh, wow. is a forty mile, fifty four miles from Mac. That was before the bridge, or did something before else? Before the bridge, yeah. yeah, before the bridge. That's crazy. So they were backed up for, you know, days. Well, a lot of people just went around through Indiana, Illinois, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Probably, I would, I would think that was faster back then than trying to do the ferry. I guess unless you were going to somewhere close to Mackinac City or something yeah. like that. But wow. wow. Well, this has been another fun week, and uh, happy that you could join me on it, oh, Jim. It was a lot asking. of fun. I we'll appreciate get, it. Yeah, we'll get you on another one, too. It's MI Focus. I'm Brandon James. We'll have another fresh episode for you next week, and thanks for joining us. And check out the other ones while you're here, and we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.